We are live. Welcome in, Bears fans. Dan and I were just talking. This was going to be a kind of mess around podcast at first because it was kind of like, who cares? I don't. I didn't really. Who cares what Nathan Peterman is going to do against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? And we're just kind of biding our time. And then some news broke today, and we need to be on top of that. So this is a real podcast again, and we're back. Uh, Danny's here. Danny Meehan, back in action after being out a couple weeks. How you doing, Danny? I'm good, Mason. How about yourself? As we talked about a little earlier, tired. <laughs> Always tired. Yeah. Just in a different state of that. Um, you know, I saw a picture online one day. It was like, and it said, once you turn 28, you wake up tired and you never go to bed and wake up well rested again. You just are in some sort of perpetual state of variations of tired. And I feel like nothing is more true than that. That literally couldn't be more true. And that's one of those things. I think you start going through life, especially like maybe when you're in high school and stuff, and you're, you're thinking, is it just me? Like, am I the only one that feels like this? And then you realize everyone is just in various stages of tired. Yeah. And then what, then you have that one day where you sleep 10 hours on the weekend, and you're like, I feel like I wasted my whole day, and I'm still tired. That's the thing. I always feel – are you a napper? Do you take naps? You know, I'm really not a big napper. How about – are you? No, I've never woken up. If I have, it's been an accident, and I've never woken right. up from one feeling good. No, I mean, every so often, like, especially after I get home from work, I do a 24-hour shift, as I've told you before. And, like, if we've had we've had a busy night at work, I'll come home and, like, I'll sleep an hour or two. But there's been times where we've had, like, fires overnight, and I'll sleep for four, five, six hours after the fire because, you know, it's a physically exhausting task. And I it doesn't change how I feel. It's just like, oh, my body needed to just rest kind of thing. No, no, I totally get that. You just needed to throw a couple bits and pieces of actually being a human being back into into yourself. And it's like, oh, my, my glass is still a fourth full at best. It doesn't It's not that much better. I'm still in low power mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a bit of a show to do, like we talked about at the top here. It's actually an interesting week now. All of a sudden, uh, we'll get to that. First, looking at the Jets game, Danny, what was your knee-jerk reaction to that debacle that was uh, the Jets game? Uh, that Miguel Blanca is for real, friend. I'm sorry, Mike White. So that's a joke a, friend, a bunch of friends of mine had years ago when Henry Blanco was the Cubs catcher. We called him Hank White, just reverse his name into the English version. And now we have Mike White, and he's, Henry Bl- he's Miguel Blanco, which is Mike White in Spanish. Makes no sense. I always just kind of found it humorous. That, but, wait, that's a different section. Oh, damn it. God, you ruined it. <laughs> ruined the whole bit. Um, but, I mean, it was that. And, God, when you're missing your couple good contributors on defense, like, for instance, Jaquan Brisker, it goes from awful to egregiously awful where it's just like there there's no players on this defense that you want to talk about that are really on there, except maybe Jack Sanborn, who's an undrafted rookie. Like, and he's making tackles 12 yards downfield, which what good does that do you at the end of the day? Well, it, you're, you're, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it's hard to really tell what Mike White is. When you look back to last year, when he got some starts, he actually did really well. Yeah, he had some nice moments last year. Yeah, and that, that so is it how much of it is Mike White is just a solid quarterback and how much of it is the Bears defense is utterly atrocious? You can have both of those things be true 
of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Bears defense is a whole other conversation, not just regarding the lack of. Oh, they're the, going to be historically bad this year. Oh yeah, also- lack of the the guys, right? They're, they're there's not a bunch of great players in this team, but then there's a question mark of what's Allen Williams doing? Is he doing? Is he doing what he should be doing as a defensive coordinator? Can you make a cake out of with bad ingredients? That's a whole deep conversation for another time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you like can my make chicken salad if you have no chicken. <laughs> I picked him up in fantasy. You know, I have him as a backup now, just in case. Yay! <laughs> yeah, uh, Jet. I don't even know like how, what to do if you're a Jets fan. You're just hoping for this summer that you can get a trade going. Well, I a... like I, I think I even tweeted it out when I saw the benching happen mid last week. You can't go back ever. Mm-mm, I don't think there's there, no, all these other people are talking about like, Oh yeah. Let Zach Wilson have the summer. Never go no back way. to him. I don't think. No way. No, it's like, it was like a eat when, when they initially benched uh, Trubisky for the bears in favor of Nick Foles during that Indianapolis <laughs> game. You can't, you Short of injury, you cannot go back. You lose the locker room. I mean, even before, right. I mean, the, one of the reasons he got benched was he already had lost the locker room. But even more so, right? You just get that leadership sapped from you. Funny enough, I was watching Any Given Sunday yesterday. I don't know why I watched through it on Netflix. And there's that whole scene with Al Pacino talking to Jamie Foxx about how, like, you are the quarterback. You know, you, you're special, all that jazz. And, like, you know, you're just held to a different standard, all these things. And it's like, it's true. Like, so... Yeah, you can be a crazy diva wide receiver and be in and out of the lineup constantly, and it's not a big deal. You can't do that when you're the quarterback. No, you're too important. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is that MetLife Stadium needs to be burned to the ground. It is. Yeah. And it, this isn't the only game that there's been multiple injuries, things of that nature. And obviously, I'm very sensitive to that thought process as a physical therapist. Just It's an issue. Turf as a whole is an issue, but specifically with MetLife, how throughout the years, this year, previous ones, there's just been so, so, so many injuries that have occurred there. And a lot of this can be negated. You know, we we, we talk about how terrible uh, Soldier Field is, and it is. Don't get me wrong. That, that turf, that grass is not great. But there is an inherent difference when you talk about grass versus turf. Um, a good example of this, I'm going to pull this up real quick. Ba-gong. Um, This was the Eagles-Packers game. Funny enough, we're t- talking here. And so if we watch what happens during uh this play make sure there's no sound here i'm gonna mute that uh during this play i mean injury right there to to the uh is grasp uh you you fly out from underneath you and so his leg didn't get caught and his career didn't you know end there that you don't get that with turf you don't have that much Give you don't have ability to avoid Eddie Jackson. I don't know if more of a football, just sucking kind of. But uh, Schofield also had an injury. Uh, obviously, Claypool got hurt in that game, too. I mean, it was a litany of issues. Yeah. Especially after, for all the complaining I've done about, you know, you trade this top 40 pick for Chase Claypool and he hasn't done remotely anything. He actually had a nice game. I mean, granted, it's like, you know, whatever. It's a bunch of it's it was the polar opposite of what it was with Fields, right? With Claypool, where they weren't targeting him at all for some strange reason. And it was like kind of with Trevor Simeon, we're just gonna loft it up there because I got nothing up nothing else is like give the give the big guy a chance to make the play. And it worked once for a big big game. 
you know, it's funny because that actually does lead me to my my to be prefer- perfectly honest. So I might as well throw it out there um, that for mine, is, there is a middle ground between risks and like risks taken in the windows that Justin tends to throw versus what Trevor Simeon did. Trevor Simeon gave his wide receivers a chance at times. So there's a couple of those throws that was like, hey, go get it. You know, do what you can do. That happened with Claypool. <laughs> that happened with Pringle. Uh, there are a couple of different instances. On the other hand, he threw some hospital balls out there. <laughs> like there were some well, of those throws. He can't make anything happen up with his legs. Exactly. And there were some of those throws where it was like, hey, I think one was the second one was a Pringle. And it was like, all right, good luck. Have fun. And Pringle almost died. So, you know, <laughs> Justin. And Pringle had the dead. Justin, uh, sometimes perfection is the enemy of good. I feel like he's looking for that perfect throw, doesn't want to turn the ball over, doesn't want to put his receivers in a bad spot. So and let me run this idea by you, Mason. Let me run this by Is it mm-hmm. possible he doesn't recognize what NFL Open is because he doesn't have anyone that's even remotely NFL Open besides Darnell Mooney when he's healthy? Like even Chase Claypool does not create separation. He's a big, strong, fast guy, but he's not short area quick to get open. I think that's a part of it. I mean, I think well, – I, I keep doing a plug for him, but JT O'Sullivan with QB School does great breakdowns uh, regarding a bunch of games, and Justin's one of them. There are a couple of times where he highlights, hey, look, this is NFL open. But I think more to your point, sometimes it's almost a surprise where it's like, oh, right. wait, that was open. Oh, wait, now it's closed. Like, you can't anticipate when you've never been able to learn to anticipate. And you know what? I If I'm going to be all things being equal, I'm going to have to say that that fade ball in the back of the end zone, like, yeah, Claypool made a great play down the right sideline to make a great grab for an underthrown ball from Simeon on that fade ball. That was a good ball to chase Claypool. I know that you could have made the argument sauce Gardner had some incidental contact that should have been called as pass interference. Don't care. Catch the ball for a guy that big, that strong, that fast at a certain point, like where's the body control? Like it feels like every other big dude like this on every other team has body control and he just, does it sometimes and this has been an issue throughout his career where he's a 50 50 he should be a 50 50 receiver and he it too often it doesn't feel like he's going to win that 50 50 yeah i think it's another instance right there of two things can be true at once right Right. yes that should be there should be a flag there and ball on the one yard line etc but also like how many times do you see like there'll be another game going on i'm sure something like this will happen tonight in this bill's uh, Patriots game where the receiver, yeah, they get interfered with and they still come down with the ball. And then you pick up the flag and you move on and it doesn't even really matter. So where's so where's Claypool what I want all Bears fans to do, and it, it, again, I like Chase Claypool. I'm just left wanting more given what they gave up for him. But that it's not all moot. He's a Bear. He's probably going to be extended to the tune of 18 plus million dollars to be a Bear for a long time. That being said, watch Stefan Diggs tonight and watch what a receiver that's paid to be a number one receiver in this league and is probably the second, third best receiver in the league right now for my money behind Justin Jefferson. And then the argument kind of starts there for everyone else. And watch what he does. It's a night and day difference compared to what the Bears have in the receiver room. Sorry, I'm not meaning to get on a tangent, but it's just like those things pop up in my brain and I'm like, you see it and it's, you, you, you see the capital and you see the number he's going to get money-wise on the contract this coming offseason more than likely, and you're just like, that's it. Well, and that's the thing, right? You're you're going to be, not you, but the colloquial you, are going to be annoyed when 
chase Claypool or gets X amount of money and you're like, why is he getting paid that much? And then a year or two years is going to go down the road and you're going to be like, well, because that's just the going rate of receivers. Well, yeah, I, I'm receiver not mad at a guy, a guy making his money. I'm just But it's not, just like I'm, the amount of money is always going to look kind of funky right in the moment you make that deal. Oh, right, because you're paying you're, – you're trying to cut and get ahead of the market for when the cap raises down the line. Right. And, I mean, we can do a whole – Pod, oh yeah, this, we'll, we'll save that for topic. an off-season show or something. Uh, for sure. Um, so wait, oh yeah, we're still on yours. So, so what is your, per- to be uh, perfectly honest? <sighs> um, that running game misses Khalil Herbert in the worst way. Yeah, it does. Like, I love David Montgomery. I'll forever love David Montgomery. Um, but there's a factor that you just don't get from Tristan Ebner or even – for as good as Darrington Evans looked in spurts last weekend, there's a respect that's garnered from Khalil Herbert when he's back there and from Justin Fields, who's back there and part of the running game. And I think Herbert is just missed in a way that it's like, so David Montgomery makes a lot of special things look easy with his body control, contact balance, his feet. Khalil Herbert is no nonsense. It's, Boom, boom. Drive that foot in the ground, get up field and go, right? And he's fast. Like, I don't think he's – like, I think a lot of people think he's faster than he actually is, and I think more so what that is is just decisiveness. It's decisive then to top speed and go. Well, he's faster than and, Monty for sure too. Oh, he's – yeah, Monty's not fast at all by NFL running back comparison. Obviously, if he lined up against me, he'd smoke me. But, you know, I have <laughs> I to preface so. that because the amount of times you see that, like, on Twitter, oh, he's not fast, and he'd beat you in a race. Well, yeah, he's a professional damn athlete who also happens to have Wolverine blood in him. You know, like, yeah, there's, there's fast and there's NFL fast. Right. So my thing is, is like, I think they desperately missed Mon- – or not Montgomery, but Herbert more than I thought they would upon his going out. And I just – that's my perfectly honest statement because I didn't think that he was that kind of necessary, at least off top. Why don't you and I have talked about in the past when we – when Herbert first went down and we were talking about, okay, what's going to be – who's going to be that running back too? You and I talked about Darrington Evans being it. Like, yes, technically Ebner was already on the active roster, mm-hmm. but Evans just made more sense to step up into that Herbert role because he's a more natural runner and a little more proven. And then we were confused, like, why the heck is Ebner getting all this run? And then, lo and behold, in the Jets game, they're like, oh, let's get, honestly, a real running back. And Evans was solid. I mean, I liked what I saw yeah. out of him. And I liked what I – I was super pumped when they signed him in the first place. I mean, he was one of those early off-season signings. He was, I believe he was Ryan Poles' first acquisition as GM. Yeah, I think so. I think it was him and then Crutchnick might have been number two. Uh, yeah. But, like, yeah, like, I was happy about it. And then to see him banished to the shadow realm of the practice squad was kind of me out but I'm, I'm glad he's back yeah for sure uh now we move on to we found this humorous uh something we found quirky or funny uh mine was some of the early takes bears twitter had regarding uh trevor simeon versus justin fields um just yes i liked obviously that first touchdown drive it was good to see it was nice to see him with some anticipation the checkdowns just the he's a seasoned quarterback he's plus five six years he goes from where he's supposed to be. He puts the ball into some tough windows. But then when you look at the second half of that game where they went punt, 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 downs, interception, like it's like, is this is this your king? <laughs> this is who you want, Bears, like to Twitter, come down. Yeah, and it's hard to – it's only a certain segment of Bears Twitter, right? Like most people understand that Trevor Simeon cannot 
even touch what Justin Fields can do, even with the ability to get the ball. I believe his t- his average time to throw in that game was 2.7 seconds or a shade under. 2.6. So 2.6. Okay, misspeaking on my end. But that's a lot of – that's a lot of time difference between I believe Justin Fields is first or second most time in the lead to throw because he can make time with his legs. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that remains to be seen because a lot of statistics show you, you hold the ball too long, that leads to interceptions and sacks and whatnot and getting the ball out on time and quickly normally means you're playing the quick game. But um, it's just, there is no way you could say that an offense that was averaging 30 points a game for the previous four weeks when they when when Fields went down with that shoulder, that they were going to keep up that pace just because he Simeon was not as good. He's never going to be as good. He's a viable backup quarterback. He's not even Mike White, truth be told. But he's a professional. That's so rough to say. Like you're not even Mike White. <laughs> like, but what else? Am I being wrong here? Am I like? No, being, you're not. You're, he's like, he's the guy who's going to be. Uh, what's good? Um, why am I breaking out his name right now? He was on the. He was on the Bears, and he's been a backup forever, and he has like a trillion dollars being a backup. Mm-hmm. Who am I talking about? Chase Daniel. Thank you, Chase Daniel. Like, he could be a – he's going to be a Chase Daniel. He's going to be the guy who just is a backup on teams over and over and over again. He's a solid guy in the QB room because he is smart and studies his film, and he'll be a great mentor. But he's – you know, step in and win you maybe a game or two if your starter goes down, but that's it. That's all he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. I wish I was a backup quarterback in the NFL. That's like the, one of the best games there's, ever. Chase Daniels a Hall of Fame at the bank. Like, like he's made so much money for playing hardly any football in his professional career, and that's fine. That's a great gig if you can get it. Oh, uh, God, Tyler Bray mentioned in the chat. Awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what's – uh, Selling cars? Oh. Might be. He might be a graduate assistant somewhere at some college. Let's let's take a quick Google while you while you change topics with us. Uh, well, do you want to do your humorous first? <laughs> I think I already ruined my humorous thing with the t- Tyler with the uh, Mike White and Miguel Blanco. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll move on to our concussed corner. Then uh, this is where hey. we look <laughs> and see and see a decision from the last game that we just found so odd that the person had to be concussed. Uh, mine was. Funny enough, the play that uh, Danny mentioned earlier, the to, to Chase Claypool, where Sauce Gardner had his, you know, PBU over there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because there's so few downfield plays that the Bears have. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just uh, because of how Justin, or, or in this case, how Trevor throws it, or the case may be. I don't remember so many instances where I'm now going and saying I'm actually upset with the non-call from the refs. I'm usually not a big, like, darn, the, you know, the referee missed this kind of a guy. I just feel like I, maybe it's because the offense is, has been so lacking in that passing game, but it's, there's sure. been a lot of those instances this year, I feel like, compared to what I've felt and seen in other years. I also think it's more like the benefit of the doubt, right? It's kind of like the NBA rule, like where people used to always complain when certain Bulls players didn't get foul calls and other superstars did. They have no one that warrants getting these calls. Who deserves these ticky-tack touch fouls? And the way the truth be told, especially with the Jets game, it's kind of like what the Legion of Boom Seahawks would do, right? Mm-hmm. Where if you commit pass interference every damn play, you can't call it every play. Eventually, you just got to suck it up and realize these guys are going to punch me in the mouth, fight through it. Like it, it sounds really stupid and rudimentary, but that's kind of what it, what it is when you have that style of defense. And if you don't have that kind of star player or that star power to warrant the 
um, you know, ticky tack foul going your way. Like, what are you what are you supposed to do? Like Chase Claypool isn't gonna demand some sort of flag on a play that. And let's be honest, even if they threw that that inter, that uh that flag on the back of the end zone in the fade route to Claypool, it would have been a very nice like here you go kind of flag. That wasn't blatant. It just wasn't. I'm now. This is a problem we do a show on Thursday. I'm now trying to think and look back. Did Sauce turn back for the ball? He did. Not that I can recall, at least. That's part of my. Well, I, I want to agree with you on that. I like that. Like was just, he didn't even make a play on the you, ball. You His hit, hands were all over him. Like that. That's make the play. Not a good. Stop play. looking like a baby giraffe trying to land. Make the play. And yeah, it goes back to there are two like, two truths I, to that. Like at a certain point, like I, I get it. I, I I get the frustration with refs. I'll always get it. You you know what the problem is with being a fan is you don't want to admit they're missing calls for the other team too. Like. Refs aren't in this to mess with one team. It's just like Joe Buck does not hate your football team, people. I promise he does not. It's just the nature of it. Have you watched any of the World Cup recently? I have. So I've dabbled. I'm not even going to begin to pretend like I'm watching this a lot. But like the fact that they have special sensors in the ball now to tell exactly you know when and where people are offside and things like that, just like the fact that that – exists and you look at other sports and they do the same thing and the nfl is in this mm-hmm. weird zone where they try to be more advanced they don't they try to be more advanced they don't that's just be more advanced you're the damn nfl you have well, all this technology like, like put a, put a microchip in the ball so if it breaks the goal line like the ball lights up or something like there's, exactly <laughs> it sounds so stupid like a nerf ball like but there's technology out there where you don't have to go to this like review That just made me laugh. I was just yeah. very happy about that. Uh, renewable and rechargeable review said NFL refs are going to take a page out of the NBA and start calling players bitch ass MFers. Uh, that was, I needed that. For those who will be listening on Spotify later. Yeah, I mean, there, again, I don't know that that would have specifically helped their, that play. But again, or even, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the Sky Judge. There's so many things you could do to make this cleaner. And I just feel like the NFL sure. is sitting there like, no. We, we, we got our refs. We're good. And that's all you do. So that's that's why I'm a little frustrated. Uh, what about you? Yeah, yeah. What is your concussed corner? Concussed corner. Um, I, I guess it goes to pregame. Like, what was I get gamesmanship, but what the hell was going on with the quarterbacks? Like, Simeon got hurt. Then it was announced that Nathan Peterman was going to be starting, and then he wasn't starting, and then he was starting, and then he wasn't starting again. And then they get to the game time, and here's, you know, here's. Uh, Trevor Simeon starting the football game. Like I get Simeon probably aggravated his oblique. I think it was in warmups, but like guys, Trevor Simeon versus Nathan Peterman is like the, the, the worst version of the Spider-Man meme you could ever play. It's like, which bum white quarterback is going to be playing, playing under center for the bears today. It doesn't matter because neither of them are good enough to win you a football game. My understanding of that whole scenario is yeah, he, he strained his oblique. And legitimately was like, done. Like, you know, can't play. And he just was pounding the table so hard. Like, no, give me, give me the in- you know, injection. Let me get in there. Let me get in there. Let me get in there. Um, did it. And he pushed through some pretty, even with it, some pretty intense pain. So, like, he oh, was sure. literally going to be out. But you're absolutely right. I mean, would the loss, my guess is the loss would have been worse with Nathan Peterman. Like, I don't think he really scored. Almost he probably would have thrown, he would have broken his own record of five interceptions in a game or whatever it was. So, it's. <laughs> 
if you're, and I think we, you see this a lot with the McCaskies, especially, they don't like to be embarrassed. And so I think for them and for the front office and for the coaches, it was more about how can we lose the least worst kind of thing? How can we make this loss more gooder? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, now let's switch over to our jaw dropping stats. Uh, mine I snagged from, actually I have two technically, because one of them is kind of weird to talk about. So I have a second one, but mine I snagged from um, at start Kyle Orton. Go check him out. He's got some good tweets. So see his stuff, but basically similar to what Danny, exactly what Danny said, Trevor Seaman got the ball out in 2.6 seconds on average in, in that game, you know, playing the quick game, checking the ball down, but that still resulted in 11 pressures, two sacks on just 28 dropbacks and ultimately a QBR of 30.4. So the people pounding the table saying, well, if Justin just got the ball out faster, you know, the entire offense would be fixed. Uh, we saw what happens when you get the ball out faster, and that's not the same because, surprise, surprise to nobody, the offensive line just sucks and the receivers aren't great and, you know, all those things. Uh, the other one, just throwing it out there real quick, Dominique Robinson doesn't have a quarterback hit since week one. Yeah. Like, he, like he I was, he I was high on Robinson. At this but moment that was, you know what uh, it reminds me of? The way he's been seeing that, especially when I go back and watch the game on broadcast, because I typically watch the game around three times. I watch the, the game, then I watch the broadcast the next day, and then when the, the actual All-22 comes out, I watch it a third time on that. Uh, Dominique Robinson has become, to this point, a defensive Cole Komet, where he's just consistently on the ground. He he's, he's just loves the grass, apparently, and it's – you know, it is what it is kind of thing. Like, he, I hope he gets better. He's also only in his third year ever at this position, so I'm, I'm hopeful that it gets better, especially because I really like the athletic profile and everything about him coming out of Ohio. When they selected him, I was probably more giddy than I should have been over a fifth-round defensive end from Miami of Ohio. Shouts out to Ben Roethlisberger, but, you know, is what it is. But this, I, don't, I also just don't know how fair it is to expect um, him to – do much when there's no one there to take any pressure off of him besides really Justin Jones, who's the only defensive lineman really worth talking about with any sort of regularity here or there. Yes, but is, is Dominique Robinson getting like double teamed? I don't think so. Not from no. what I've watched. No, so it's not like, really. I mean, yes, would you like extra eyes on insert, you know, nose tackle, defense sure. tackle, whoever there, but at the same time, like you got your you got one on ones, you were you won them the first couple of weeks. What all of a sudden, they got some film on you. Like, did you just run out of moves entirely? And so now they're well. Just- it's like it's like uh, the, with baseball, right? After the first hundred at bats, the league adjusts to you. It's how you adjust back to the adjustment, right? So he's got to adjust back now. You would hope it ha- happens faster, but I think it t- you have to keep in mind that he is a fifth round rookie. It and going back to what you said, there, I'll take this more to the practice world. You no longer once you trade away like a Robert Quinn you no longer have a veteran presence who might have a couple tricks and moves and things like that. It's Dominic Robinson learning straight up from the defensive line coach. And that's essentially it. Yep. That's where it ends. What about you? What was your jaw dropping stat? 10. Chase Claypool. No points. (laughs) They scored 10 damn points. I get it. The jets are a really good defense. I don't care. It's the 2022 NFL. I feel like after that nice four or five week stretch, especially like 
even in the second half of the Washington Commanders game, yes, I get they didn't score a lot of points in that game, but you started to see the glimpses of the game, excuse me, slowing down for Justin Fields in the second half of that game. Since then, they were on an upward trajectory, and they scored points on good defenses like the like the Cowboys, and amongst others. But now you're getting 10 points with the quote-unquote better, more professional quarterback, and I'm just tired of it. Like, at a certain point, you have to be able to make more points in today's NFL, and I get you're working with next to nothing, especially after Mooney went out, and it sounds like his season is done, and then Claypool went out, and all that stuff. But 10 is my draw-dropping stack because it's like it, to me it sounds inexcusable. 10 points in 60 minutes of an NFL game. That it's it'd be different if it was back to the San Francisco. Yes, it was the weather wasn't great, but if there was like a torrential monsoon and both off the suck. Mike White figured it out, right? He figured out how to put up points with in with the cruddy weather. So that's not an excuse. It's just you couldn't get anything going. Your receivers had no separation. Near the second half, the uh, Jets D line started getting a lot more pressure. It was it was just bad all around. Yeah. Now we move on to kind of the, eh, I guess you could say the heart of the show, where we look at some of the training training room stuff and what's kind of going on there. One of the things that was frustrating about last game, and I talked about the top of the show, obviously, in terms of some of these, those injuries, was when Eddie Jackson went down, and I don't know how you saw this, uh, Danny, when it happened, but... You know, you start the plays going, and all of a sudden, camera pans over, and there's Eddie Jackson laying on the ground, right? And so, obviously, I'm going right into PT mode, like trying to figure out what happened. When you see something like that, your brain, your brain, and I think yours is probably similar, goes right to Achilles because you see that ton. What I saw when I saw him break and grab low, my initial instinct was he either tore his calf or ruptured his Achilles. Right. That was my, my initial instinct. And, and that's a very logical one. And then I spent the next 10 minutes, like either whether, whether it was trying to watch the broadcast or going through various uh, channels, trying to find the full video of him actually doing it. But, you know, the NFL hates showing anything on the back end. So you don't get that. You just get everything up front. So we had my next thought was once you saw after the play, I went to Liz Frank, uh, tweeted that out saying I thought it, it could have been that broken bone in the foot. Um, got some information later that someone uh, close to the situation thought it was only a sprain after seeing it you know i think that was what half an hour later or so um turned out unfortunately the initial thought process that i had was right that it was in fact a liz frank uh what we can we'll throw i'm gonna throw this clip up here if you're if you're listening to this on spotify you can always check out the youtube video uh we're about 30 ish minutes in um so if you want to like see what the full play looks like but you can see AJ jackson here in his back pedal back pedal back pedal go and boom you can see it's it is right when that happens, but it's like Danny alluded to. Um, it's not the kind of plant that associate with a Achilles rupture because it's because of the direction of force, uh, the way that he he sticks that foot and how the knee moves. That's the reason that also happening. And why did that happen? Well, again, we go back to the fact that MetLife needs to be burned to the ground, and his foot got stuck in the turf. All the force had nowhere to go. Outside <laughs> Now he's got a broken foot. Um, and, and what does that mean? He could get surgery. Uh, he could not. He could go either way. Um, if you don't do the so surgery, here's route, my question to you, recovery, Mason. Uh, more or less, and then maybe a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would even venture a guess of really to about 15 years ago, 
we didn't really hear much about turf toe or Liz Frank injuries. Why all of a sudden the last 10 to 15 years have we started to really hear these injuries pop up? Because I don't really have an explanation for it other than athletes have gotten so sport-specific and so big and so fast that it's causing more stress and stuff on these surfaces than they've ever had in their life. And the equipment is getting better, so cleats are getting more sticky and the turf shoes are getting more sticky and whatnot. But I just I have no real explanation other than I know like for how do I explain this without sounding like a complete idiot? Um, so your foot's like a flipper, right? It's designed to go and and push and generate force. It is not designed to stop, to, to the best of my knowledge. So as if these guys are getting so big, so strong, so fast, and generate so much force that when they go to stop on these surfaces, it's just causing this thing to happen with these, you know, the, the Liz Franks tears or the turf toe on your specifically the big toe kind of thing. Like I'm just curious, curious what your thought process is on that. Cause I genuinely don't know. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, it's multifactorial. Like a lot of things. One is that just in general, in the last 10, 15 years, there's been more places that do have turf, you know, that's obviously a, a mm -hmm. big shift in that. Um, two, there is a, like you talked about, there is a shift in the kind of cleat that they're wearing. No one goes into the equipment room and says, hey, give me the cleat that's going to slip. You know, the, so you, you want, like you said, the one that's got the most traction, the one that's going to stick so that when you're planting on your cut, you can waste as little time coming out of that break. Uh, three, athletes are getting bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been. And the problem with that is that force has to go somewhere. And yes, you might be getting bigger, stronger, faster in certain areas, but are you getting it throughout the entire chain? You know, a lot of these guys are not getting the proper training in terms of the correct stabilization and activation of other areas that would inherently take some of that pressure off of an area like the foot, like a knee, if we're, if we're trying to talk ACL, uh, things of that nature. So it's just like a, a combination of all of those things adding up to now all of a sudden we have this uber specialized group of individuals who are only training with, with football and only doing it in certain patterns, not doing it in multiple ways, and then combine that with the equipment the fact that turf is much more prevalent uh, than it has been in, across the years, and it's a recipe for disaster. Okay. It's kind of what I thought, but it just – it was one of those things I just wondered, like we heard especially with like Derek Rose for being a Chicago-based show, that he was just too athletic for his own good, that his body just betrayed him because he was too explosive, too strong, and too fast for the, that body to co completely stand up with, to it. And I'm not wondering if that's just happening more across the board with these athletes and then you're factoring in everything else with it. Yeah, exactly. He's a, he's the perfect example of that. I mean, and he, he was one of those guys, too, that he was so athletic, he never needed to train. Like, yes, he trained and he practiced basketball. And but like from my understanding, like back in the weight rooms of Memphis and, and everything, like he wasn't he, he wasn't doing all of that stuff. He just he just didn't need to. He just showed up and was, was awesome. Uh, it's and it's just you can't do that nowadays with especially how much how big, strong, fast that he was. For sure. Uh, other training room things. So uh, as Danny talked about, Mooney also done for the year. Uh, I mean, reminders from when I looked at it, I didn't pull up the video just because I didn't think it was really necessary. He got rolled up on that's high ankle plus multiple other ligaments, probably also uh, ATFL, uh, which is the outer ankle. So done for the year. But with both of those injuries, shouldn't really be, be a big problem for 2023. Um, if a good example of when it is a problem, uh, take – Larry Ogunjobi, uh, almost a bear, but then wasn't a bear. 
Uh, reason his was such a struggle is because he was just a, such a gigantic human being. Uh, that much mass is hard to support. And a lot of those O-linemen, D-linemen have a hard time coming from it. Um, or wide receiver, you'd have a hard time coming from Liz Frank. So Eddie Jackson should be fine, whether he goes with the surgical or non-surgical route. Darnell is going to have to do a lot of work on that ankle, but again, should come back fine. I'd be mm-hmm. more concerned about Darnell than Eddie, actually, just in terms of the difference in their games, right? Darnell has to have that really stable ankle to make the cuts that he needs, and his whole thing is defined on quickness. So that's going to be a big thing. And he, especially because he's a small guy in the NFL. Exactly. Like, he he needs that stability. But uh, I know some of the people working with him, he's in great hands. Uh, let's turn to the general injury report, and this is so a, a di- kind of different – this is kind of different for the Bears, right? Because there was a while where there was almost no one on here, and now everyone's on here. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just take it from the top of Larry Borum? Oh, who cares? Um, <laughs> it's- <laughs> well, it's more – It's more. the reason I said that is because Riley Reef is probably done. Yeah, They're probably yeah. not playing him this week. And that leads your swing tackle, Larry Borum, is not playing this week with that ankle and knee. Not that that's a huge loss. And then you go down to – let's jump to the next let's jump to the set of young secondary players with Jaquan Brisker and uh Kyler Gordon both suffered concussions a couple weeks ago uh sounds like Brisker could play it's not it's like more of a coin flip but I'm not sure I haven't heard much on Kyler Gordon yeah both are obviously as you can see on the screen or what we're telling you if you're listening to the podcast thanks for tuning in um both haven't participated the last couple days uh, from my understanding, Jaquan's a little further ahead than Kyler Gordon is, but we do need to see something. I mean, and we've seen this across, we've seen this a good amount, uh, even if just like Bears and another team. Like if you go back to the Packers game, I believe it might have been Runyon. Uh, he was a limited, didn't participate all week, limited participant on Friday, and then all of a sudden was able to play in the game on Sunday. They had no problem. So if, um, if Jaquan can play, get limited on Friday, he can play. And as someone who's suffered from concussions in the past, from when I was younger and played and even one outside of that, when I got undercut playing basketball at a local rec center, um, not all concussions are created equal. Correct. You can have certain sensitivities like sight sensitivity, which is a pretty common one because of your ocular nerves that are connected back to the brain. But uh, you could have audio sensitivity. You could have uh, sensitivities that, that lead to stomach and not being able to hold down food or water. Like, you can have different levels of this. Like I know everyone just hears concussion. They all want to put it into this, like just this bucket, like, Oh, a concussion is a concussion is a concussion. That's just not how it is. Cause technically, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mason, the term getting your bell rung, when you played in high school, you got a good hit to the head. You got your bell rung. You shook out the cobwebs as it were. And it's like, all right, kid, get back in there. So that was probably a concussion, right? It doesn't necessarily have to knock you out or clean your memory of the game to be a concussion. Yeah, and I just that's kind of like something I always that's always been like a kind of a sticking point or a soapbox area for me because I just think everyone is so like just quick to say, oh, well, look at Matt Stafford. He had a concussion, missed a week, came back, played, got a concussion, and now he's missing more time. It wasn't the same concussion. It was two separate ones, and this one just happens to be worse. Right, exactly. And it's, it's like any other injury, really, where it's going to be across the spectrum. You could have a little sprained ankle where you keep playing the game. You play the next week. You didn't even think you had one. You could have a really bad sprained ankle where you're done for multiple weeks. Same thing with concussion. You listed all those symptoms. I mean, there's other ones, too, that you know also are going to be very inhibitive, like headache, 
Uh, you talked about the nausea already. Um, there's going to be eye and, vis and vision changes, uh, dizziness, vertigo, two different things, by the way. Don't limp those two together, please. It, that's a pet peeve of mine uh, when, people do, when people do that. Uh, and then uh, mood, you could be, have mood changes, right? You could see yeah, things like that. Yep. So that's all of those things are really tough. And it to can also back, lead to aches throughout your body. That's a fun one. Right. And you could have uh, hand-eye coordination deficits. You could have, like you said, it, you could have effects on actually how the muscles themselves work. Uh, muscles are kind of like dimmer switches. You, you know, they don't get turned on and off per se, but activity levels can get modulated. So all of a sudden, if you have a concussion, maybe your quad's not turning on as much. All of a sudden, there is a chance that you could get an ACL tear because your quad isn't active enough. I mean, you don't want to play that game. So that's really rough. Um, and in terms of coming back, it's you have to be able to slowly ramp up each in multiple stages and not have symptoms. So the like, other part to mention with concussions is you don't immediately display symptoms within 24 to 48 hours. You could have things yep. three, four days later. It's called delayed concussion syndrome. So it there's so much that goes into the human brain. It's We don't know everything about it yet, even in 2022. So it's going to be really tough knowing what's going to happen with Jaquan or Kyler because a lot of times you can roll through some of those stages I talked about in terms of imp improvement uh, within one day, and sometimes it's going to take you multiple weeks. So we're just going to hold, oh. our, hold back and see what happens there. Let's go ahead and jump to the what other ones that aren't that in, important. So Simeon, Vildor, Sterling Weatherford, Dante Pettis, and that's really the end of the least not important guys. Weatherford's a special teamer. Uh, Vildor is whatever. <laughs> fine kindle vildor at the end of the day is still kindle vildor um in, and then i'm interested of kindle vildor not playing so i can see more jalen jones honestly because i, I yeah. just like jalen jones i i understand and we'll jump back to Cl chase claypool who's been a hot topic this show claypool had a knee injury looks like he's a full participant i would expect him to be full go on sunday and then the man of the hour justin fields Limited practice had a separated shoulder with, with what was it, an AC sprain as well? Yep, yes, yeah. So separated shoulder by definition is the where the AC joint starts to detach itself. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, when the separation is not a dislocation. Correct. Two entirely different parts of the shoulder. Yep. Uh, so and now he was a full participant as of today, which was I believe Thursdays are walkthrough days. So. Yeah, we have. It sounds to me when you when you list someone as full on Thursday, that sounds to me like you're playing. But I could be completely wrong, and that maybe this is just more gamesmanship on the part of Eberflus and his staff. It could be. The only the caveat I'll throw on that is what is a full participant for a quarterback? You're making all of the throws. Yeah. Right. That and so that is you don't hit the quarterback in practice anyway. So let's say it wasn't even a walkthrough. Let's say you were going to go like full out padded practice, which I think the bears are running out of those anyway. I feel like they only have one or two of those left that they can do. Um, so full, I'm not, I think Justin at this point is playing. I'm putting my stake in the ground. I'm saying Justin's, I think Justin's playing on Sunday. Just keep in mind, full participant on a Thursday for a quarterback is not exactly a guarantee. So that could absolutely change before game day. I think he's playing. He's, He's Mr. Hyper Competitive from everything I've ever learned and read about him. So he wants to. It's Packer Week, man. I mean, go back to I, I think I think you watched this. I think you and I talked about this. Uh, QB one, you know, where they followed Justin mm -hmm. and a bunch of other quarterbacks. I don't remember because yeah. they're not Justin Fields um, in high school. And you know, he had that. He, he had uh, I think it was the, the broken bone in his thumb, and he finished out basically almost the entire game playing with that. 
I mean, at a certain point, though, I guess, don't you have to protect the, the kid from himself? You do. You absolutely do. The so, question is, what are the motivations of the coaches, front office, and owners? Yeah, and I just – I have to wonder, like, at what point do, do the team doctors and training staff have to just be like, listen, keep him out till after the bye. We have this game and next week, and then you can have him back. Just let that shoulder heal because that will have been almost a full month then of healing, right, by my math, or 28 days or so, something like that? By that point. By that point, I mean, it's not fully healed, but it is more – it is in a much better position than it is this week. Let's put it that way. Right. So I don't know. It just, just feels like it's Packer week. And of course, Justin wants to play, but it feels like it should be on Matt Eberflus and the team training and doctors to just be like, dude, this season is lost. It's over. It's done. And, and I, I know and he's not going to see it that way. Right. Exactly. Justin's not going to look at it that way. And the question, like I kind of alluded to earlier, is what is the motivation of the coaches and front office and, and owners? Is is the motivation, well, this is the Green Bay Packers. Can you gut it out? So you, and don't worry. You have another week week of rest afterwards. I have no idea. I'm not sitting in those meetings, obviously. But I think if it was Packers, if, if we were playing the uh, Eagles, let's say, their next opponent, I'm not as sure that he's playing. Sure. All right. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do the Packers, too, Chris. So the Packers, they are also have a lot, but they have as many like DMPs and such. Uh, the two main DMPs, Darnell Savage and Mercedes Lewis. Darnell Savage is kind of falling out of favor in Green Bayland anyway, right? He went from really promising to now apparently he can't cover a ghost. Like, it's just like, I don't know what happened, but he went from looking really promising and ascending to just awful. And it's funny because they actually had picked up and released a similar player, Jonathan Abram, off the Las Vegas Raiders, who looked really promising early on in his Ravers stint. Ravers? Did I just make a new team? Raiders stint. And just completely fell out of favor, and he forgot how to cover too. So I find that very interesting. Yeah, and I recall him being more safety, right, across from Adrian Amos, and now he's listed as – the nickel corner who's been hurt, of course, um, anyway, but nickel corner. So I don't even know what his deal is. Like you said, he's fallen very much out of favor. This whole defense for the, for the uh, Packers has fallen out of favor. Let's be real. It's really it's almost like this should be yet another warning to NFL organizations. Don't hire Joe Barry to be your defensive signal caller. That's a good, that's a really good lesson that I think they should learn. There's important players on this list though. Um, a lot of them are going to probably play regardless. David Bakhtiari, he is all over the place. I mean, he's in and out of games constantly, but at the same time, the Packers are trying to throw him touchdowns in in the end zone uh, against the Lions. Makes no dang sense to me. Um, so I got to add your professional opinion. It's it's over, right? That career for him, the days of him being the all pro left tackle that he once was, it's done, right? Yeah, the Bakhtiari that the Packers have known and love, that, um, that's done. I mean, he's probably going to do the whole veteran tour where he pops from, unless someone talks to him and he you know, does the smart thing and retires to pops from, you know, maybe finishes out the Packers pops from team to team, trying to like keep it going, but like just losing the step, another step, another step. It's he's done. You, you can't have as many knee surgeries as he's had and look like he's has the, this last couple of weeks and be considered anything, but done. Another big one. It looks like he was DNP the first day and now he's limited again is the other offensive tackle Elton Jenkins. That's future bear Elton Jenkins. Mind you. Oh man, I want uh 
I, I want. I'm, I'm, I can't think today. Today's been a long day, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, my main <laughs> guy that I want is actually. I'm pulling up Josh Nyman. There we go. I like him. I want Nyman. I like Nyman. I just want the better player. <laughs> I think Nyman's great. Nyman's restricted. So that really comes yes. down to Nyman's restricted. But that's a again show for later in the offseason. <laughs> Another day. A couple other players are, are very important. AJ Dillon. We got to see what happens there. Limited, limited. Uh, I didn't Dobbs know he could hurt those squads. The size I, of them. When you're that big, essentially you don't really hurt them. You just hurt the gravitational field around them. There's a difference. <laughs> Oh God! And there's and there's a point. It's just there's not a lot to go off of here, to be completely honest. But yeah, Elton Jenkins is one of the biggest ones. Aaron Jones is on this list. We know Aaron Rodgers is playing. Don't even pay attention to that. Um, I would mainly for this Green Bay list tune in uh, tomorrow on T Formation. We're gonna have a little more clarity on some of these because when you have like all these limiteds, 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 it's like that probably means they're playing. That's uh, to be to yeah. be honest. Well, I guess now that we've gotten to the injury report, do we uh, want to take a quick little break here? That we will, and we'll be back in a bit. All right. We are back. And now we're going to go over what you need to know regarding this matchup. We're going to look at a bunch of different things and try to figure out who's going to come out on top here. When you look at this matchup, there's a lot of things going on here. You know, playing for what overall wins between the Packers and, and the Bears. If the Packers win, they're going to take the lead on that because they're currently tied. The Chicago Bears currently have a 14 and 45 record versus the Packers since December 1st of 1992. Packers have won seven straight. The last Bears win was in 2018, December. There's a lot of funky stuff going on there. But actually, curiosity, Danny, who, which team would you rather be going into 2023? The Bears or the Packers? So that's a loaded question for me because I actually think, given how the state is and the way Rodgers' contract is set up, it doesn't matter if he's there or not. His deal has royally destroyed that salary cap. I could the- I don't think he's walking away from the money. Like I- I've seen a segment of Bears Twitter, as it were, and football Twitter in general to think he's going to walk away. I think he's going to force their hand. I think he's just going to say, trade me. Figure it out. Not my problem. You signed me to the deal. You screwed it up. Screw it. Trade me. And he's going to give him his list of probably four or five acceptable destinations. Probably like, I don't know, Tampa and some other like couple teams that are close to a quarterback. Maybe the Jets would be funny because that's Jets, – Jets, Jets is mine. Yep. That's what yeah. I think. Like something like that. But I just – I would much rather be the Bears. You have the quarterback set up. I think Jordan Love is downright awful, despite the the minor flashes he showed last oh, week. Oh, you mean the, the stupid drag route to Christian Watson that literally Justin had last year? Like, why, why are we excited about that? I don't understand. Right. So um, I, th- I would much rather be the Bears. There's not many teams right now. It's not as stupid as it sounds for a 3-1 football team through 11 weeks of the league. There's not many teams I'd much rather be at this moment in time. Like, yeah, the Jets are a better football team. Who's playing quarterback? <laughs> like, do, does does that matter? Yes, that's the hardest thing to do. And I got to believe just by law of averages and how hard it is to find a quarterback, the Packers have had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterbacking. 
the odds of Jordan Love being even remotely serviceable as opposed to awful as an NFL quarterback are much more in favor of awful than serviceable just because of the law of averages in NFL quarterbacking. I don't know that the Green Bay abides by the law of averages. If that was the case, I don't think you would have Rodgers. <laughs> but I, I agree with you, though, and it's going to sound like I'm drinking the Bears Kool-Aid, but like you said, it's so much of it boils down to what flexibility and what can you actually do. Like with the Bears going in with the most cap space next year, the free agency class you can make arguments about in terms of what positions you like and which ones you don't. No, Dave, that's another show. Um, the fact that you have probably – you're getting close to guaranteeing a top five pick. Just you got to wait to see how a couple more weeks pan out. All of that stuff combined with what the Rodgers contract looks like, how bad this defense looked, even though you spent a lot of money and draft capital on this defense and it hasn't been good. The fact that your top receivers are – these really young guys, but they aren't really doing as much as you'd want them, even with being young guys. Yeah, I'm leaning like I'd want to be the Bears. It just there's more possibility, I guess. There's Especially when you factor in their like, and I get no. You do the math going over the, through the years of the team to spend the most in free agency, seldom win free agency, as it were, because if you're spending that much, it typically means you're a bad football team. But that you factor in the cap space and Justin Field and. You really need to factor this in. When aging veterans, especially ones that are still productive nearing the back nine of their career, at the end of the back nine of their career, start taking discounts, you know what they what they factor in? Quarterbacking, especially on the offensive side of the football. That's how the that's how the 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 uh, I was about to say Tom, the the New York Jets for some strange reason, but that's how Tom Brady and the Buccaneers got so many of these guys to just come there. Because they took less money to go play with Tom. Like, and I'm not saying Justin Fields is Tom Brady, but what I'm saying is these guys are going to see the the positive progression and touchdown to interception ratio. The fact that I could probably make the argument there's only at this moment in time six or seven quarterbacks in the NFL that I would outright just say, yes, I am taking over Justin Fields. And that's where the list ends. Like to play to play devil's advocate. I don't believe this, by the way. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Sure. No, you got to play the other side of the coin. Do you, if you're a wide receiver, let's say you're hitting the free agency market, or maybe you're one of those disgruntled wide receivers who's demanding a trade somewhere. Sure. Do you look at how Justin has played recently and say, wow, that's really cool, but he's never going to throw me the ball. He's just going to run around. He's that guy in the five-on-five basketball that just takes over the game, and you just stand there and have to play defense? Yeah, I think that's a plausible way to look at it, but you could also look at it from the other end of he's throwing to bums. Then that's where I lean. I lean more towards... If I was that receiver, I'd be like, well, if I was out there, he wouldn't have to do that. Like, him and I could do some cool stuff together. Right. It's like the Lamar Jackson thing. Everyone's like, well, he doesn't throw to receivers. Who's the last really good wide receiver that Lamar threw to? Mark Rashad Allen. Bateman, I think, is going to be great. Like, I think Rashad Bateman is going to be a legitimately good to great NFL wide receiver. He's not out there right now. It's both and De- Devin DuVernay and Demarcus Robinson. What? Demarcus Robinson. Robinson, I was going to say Williams, Demarcus Robinson, um, is your number one, two options. Like, come come on. <laughs> What's going on? Whatever, who, all of the people who have surrounded Lamar with this talent, the coaches, Greg Roman, like, I, I kind of like Greg Roman, but I also kind of hate Greg Roman. It's a weird relationship. They need to be Sorry. put in jail for what they have done to Lamar. The fact that they have surrounded him with absolutely nothing, the fact, and they've relied so heavily on these broken running backs that can't get healthy. The fact that they traded away, I, I have a problem obviously with him because he's also not very good, but you, 
you trade away Hollywood Brown, but then you don't replace Hollywood Brown at all, really. Like, what are they? They are that is criminal what they are doing to Lamar Jackson there. It's awful. But I digress. I think it's going to be more towards the this guy is throwing to bums versus I don't know if I he, yeah he's an extreme talent, but I don't know if I can play with a quarterback that's inaccurate because if you go and look at the numbers. His intermediate throws and his and his deep throws, he's actually a better passer. He doesn't hit the layups, which is yeah. really weird because majority of bat not basketball player, majority of NFL quarterbacks have the inverse problem where they can't hit the the mid range or the long shots. They have to live in the short area. It's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett can't do anything besides throw throw short. And what does yeah. that get you? And all my uh, my George Pickens st- uh, stock holds on my fantasy teams are really upset about it. I dropped George. I couldn't do. I couldn't do the waiting anymore. So well, let's that's right. this game a little more specifically. Love. What do you? I think I know the answer because I think there's only a few things. What do you love about this matchup for the Bears? What do I love about this matchup? The fact that I think the defense is awful, and if the running game gets back to what it even 80% of what it was when Fields was here a couple weeks ago. They should be able to put up points and a good amount of rushing yards on this Green Bay defense. But what I will say worries me is Kenny Clark's a problem. That's a big, strong man. And they're not going to line him up and shade him to Tevin Jenkins' side. They're going to shade him to the side of of white hair and and Mustafer. And that's going to be a long bad day by the way did you see um uh, our friend jacob infante follow him good follow he tweeted out about tevin jenkins and then nutella responded nutella responded yeah i saw yeah, that and and then jake tevin responded to that like go check it out it was a really little it's funny little back and forth uh jacob might have gotten him a nutella sponsorship without even realizing it that's awesome uh my love i'm playing right off of yours i have the exact same thing which is uh, Packers current is the Bears run game versus the Packers run defense. Packers rank second to last in defensive rushing EPA per play allowed this year, while the Bears rank fourth in offensive rushing EPA per play. And then the Packers rank 32nd in defensive rush DVOA, basically, you know, measurement of teams' efficiency compared to across every single play, while the Bears rank 10th in offensive rushing DVOA, literally on opposite sides of the spectrum for those things. And so the question ends up becoming a bit like, though, does the Bears rushing change? Does the play calling change knowing Justin's current situation? Um, this is kind of going later into the show that I had something, but you know, since New England, Justin's had 14, 8, 15, 13, 18 rushing attempts. I mean, you um, think that's going to be less. I, I'm conflicted on that. So I, I had the same energy last year with the Bulls in the playoffs and Zach Levine, where it's like his knee is hurting. Well, if you're out there, I don't want to hear it. Play. Play the game. You know how to play. So it's like I got to kind of keep the same energy, right, in order to avoid being a hypocrite. Now it's a little different game, a little different style. But if Justin's telling you he's good to go and he's a full participant, like, and you're going to play him? Let's remove the injury part. Are you okay with Justin running 18 18 rushing attempts per game, period? Are we saying this the rest of the season or, or following this year? Let's just say for the, to make it an easier conversation, just the rest of this year that he's going to have somewhere between 15 and 18 rushing attempts. Yeah, I'm game. okay with it. That's how that you got to score like, points. It seems like a lot to me. It lot. is. It is, man. But that's how they got to generate points. 
but even but then but even before he got hurt so now we're going back to like how did he get hurt in the first place and we talked about that a little bit in that uh show well, that was a broken play that he got hurt on he got hurt on but when he but the one he got hurt on when he was going out of bounds you he normally he's going to turn that corner and get out of bounds quicker his hamstring clearly was having a problem with the cramping and why was he having a problem with the cramping because he's running as he's running a lot he's running a ton and at top speed and do and he's well, scrambling I mean, within the plays dude it's well, are they going to throw more now that the number one target's gone? Oh, I got a new number one target now. Oh, yeah. Oh, Chase, yeah. Chase Claypool is stepping up. Watch Dante this. Dante Pettis, baby. Nah, it's going to be uh, the Cole Komet season again. Uh, no, Byron Pringle year. Here we go. I I think there is a sweet spot. The long story of that is I just think – No, I think there's a sweet spot. 15 too, to 18 if you, is too much. It, it is too much, but you, you almost have to be okay with it. I th- man, this is man. the world they have to live in, Mason. It have to. That's where I think it's not. I don't think you have to. Then you don't you play like them. I would if like them is- to score thirty points a game. I don't need them to score thirty points a game for the rest of this season. Then don't play him. Like I, that's where what it comes down to is. I don't really want him to play this week. But I'm I, telling I don't you, I, I would rather him sit out. You know the, the right, so. I, I'm not trying to get argumentative with you. I'm just saying, like, if he's playing, you got to play the game that's been scoring points, right? Coaches don't coach to get to next year. They coach to win the damn game. So, and then, just because I'm curious what your response is going to be. So, let's fast forward to next year. 18? No. So, it's changing because, in theory, you're saying, you know, whatever, offensive line, weapons, et cetera, evolving offense. Yeah, I'm factoring in the fact that, like, everyone is so focused on the weapons with him. And I said this right when we first started recording this show. Justin isn't a guy who needs weapons. He needs protection. We have a lot of stats and a lot of information that backs up the fact that Justin is a quarterback who does better when you give him time. I don't know why that is, but he's not Joe Burrow. He's not Mac Jones. He's not Tom Brady. He's not these guys that can just ball out, see ya, do it again. He's not that kind of processor. He's a big game hunter. He's a guy who's always going to look to gain a lot of yards at a time. Chunk plays, right? Now, obviously, that can be coached, probably coached out of him with time and teach him how to take what's given to him and learning to hit his layups, as it were. But at this moment in time, he is a he's going to go for the kill shots. That's just what he does. I and I totally agree with you. And that's the thing, like it's hard to find that number because you're gonna have the call to quarterback runs, you're gonna have your RPOs, you're gonna have your gonna, you know, your, your screen ones, you're gonna have broken so, plays. You're gonna have broken plays, exactly. So to, to manage that, those that number is gonna be almost like near impossible to do. So, I just would want when you have like say a run screen option, make get the route on the back end actually a better route. So like right now they just have sure. kind of running downfield and getting out of the way. Why don't you just throw a little glance route in there so that if he opts to, you know, instead of oh I don't like that screen, he can throw that little glance to, to whoever you have now. Pettis just doing a little in. Like that's where I think that growth I would like to see happen a little bit more for sure. the rest of this year. Sure, and I get the frustration. I'm just telling you what I think in this current iteration of the Bears is offensively. If he's out there, they're going to run him, and I'm kind of okay with it because what other options are there? When's the last time you saw them run a slant, like a legitimate slant? Is can he? Can Justin do that at this point in his career? I, I don't. I have no idea. I've, I don't even know. I, that that's I've what seen I'm saying. I don't know. It's called like I don't know. It's not like I've even seen it called <laughs> and he's ignored it. That's the thing. Like most of the routes that they call take time to develop. And you I don't know, know if it's just because if they, they were to run slants, this is getting into a 
you know, a completely different topic, but they can start running like stick and nut stuff like that, where it's like, Oh, it's a fake slant. And now he's got, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's going up field, but they don't do that because they, I'm with you. I don't really see them call slants hardly if ever. The shortest routes they run consistently, I think are stupid little 10 yard comebacks when they have four receivers all do a little comeback. And it's like, why, how dare you disrespect the Cole Komet screen where he inevitably lands on the ground three yards after catching it. Kolkovet has done so much better, and you still just just rag on him. He he makes this this moss amazing catch where he's getting smacked in the hip, and then he like dropped three... a ten yard out. Yeah, that's it. We ignore that one though. It doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Uh, hate since we're since we're in this like mold right now. My hate is going to be Rodgers and Christian Watson currently against the Bears secondary, which I didn't think I'd be saying at this stage, seeing how Christian Watson played or was not even available with all his injuries. Um, he's had only four receptions in each of the last three games, four, four, four. But one was, it was 107, 48, and 110 yards in those games and six touchdowns across all three for Christian Watson. And against this banged-up secondary, that's going to probably continue and be gross. I mean, it's – my hate was going to be that, but I can just as easily jump to the second one. When Jack Sanborn is the only guy who can make a tackle with any sort of regularity on your team, uh, you're going to see a lot of A.J. Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones just running downfield. How dare you disrespect Jack Sanborn like that? He's going to make all of the tackles. <laughs> They're just going to be 15 yards downfield. Yeah, exactly. He's just going to with his 5.240-yard dash athleticism. Um, my rehabilitate is going to be passing explosive plays which is going to be very difficult without Darnell Mooney, obviously. But you know what? I, I go YOLO at this point. You know, I'm okay with on third and 10, just throw, try to do a, like the deep ball. I'm okay with uh, trying to hit that deep dig. Let's just, let's get some more of the pass explosive plays going. Use this as practice for next year. I don't, I just, I want to see some of that at this point in time. Um, you could also do it with, you have some players who could do it. You could do it with a Dante Pettis. Maybe Nikhil Harry mm-hmm. finally is alive again, and you can get him doing something interesting downfield. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, my rehabilitate is actually going to be the offensive line again because this is just my brand apparently at this point, rehab the offensive line. Um, it sounds like we're finally going to see Alex Leatherwood. I'm still curious as to how how far recovered he is from Mono upon getting here back in September because I know he's a big man and what you have to factor in, big people tend to uh, – take a little bit longer to recover from things like mononucleosis and bronchitis and things specifically things like within the respiratory area um, because they just, their, their hearts and their bodies just have to work harder to feed oxygen to, you know, the rest of the body. But um, I'm curious to see what he looks like at right tackle. I genuinely wonder, cause there are people who know a lot more about offensive line play than myself uh, that genuinely believe he could be a starting right tackle in this league like Duke Manyweather and uh, Mitchell Schwartz. That's also a very fair point, Derek. Uh, some people never fully come back from mono and feel the same again. Um, but I'm interested to see what he looks like, especially next to Tevin Jenkins, because Tevin is your best offensive lineman. He actually had, despite how bad the line as a whole has been, um, he's been very good. Yes, he has. He's probably going to a Pro Bowl, at least as an alternate. That's how good he's been this year on his own. He better. He's been killing it. But you put him next to who's a guy who's been one of the, call it top eight, ten guards in the league to be, you know, kind of give it a nice round number. 
you might help him out and make it easy so he's not overcommitting to help your right guard. And maybe, just maybe, you found something. Yeah, and, you can't forget that Tevin Jenkins is also spending most of his time trying to help Sam Mustafer figure out where he is on the play. <laughs> I'm going to keep my comments to myself on that one. <laughs> Uh, let's move up to our X factor for the Bears. Um, funny enough, mine is balance of using Justin's legs, but not putting him in harm's way. You know, I agree. If you're out there, you have to be able to play. Uh, one of the little sides bit for PT, there's um this test you do for people coming back from lower extremity injuries, especially ACL. Basically, it's a sc- uh, you're scoring their kinesiophobia. How scared are they of of movements and and, and being involved in that? Uh, you can't a you can't play scared if you're Justin. You have to be able to play full out because that's how you get more injured and have something bad occur. Um, same thing for the playbook. You can't just all of a sudden squeeze down your you can't re- squeeze down your playbook just because you're trying to protect those things. Uh, so I do agree with what you were saying earlier. Um, if he's going to play, you need to let him run. I just think it needs to be in a controlled thought process of when you're calling it, knowing that sure. there's going to be opportunities it. that he just does because he's Justin Fields and he's going to do it anyway. Sure, and I totally understand that. X factor for the Bears. Jeez. Um, I mean, it's kind of got to be Chase Claypool, right? Like, you you have no one else to throw to. Cole Komet doesn't have the ability physically to just make things happen at any given time the way Claypool would. Um, and a close second, believe it or not, would probably be Darrington Evans just because in the running game he is a, he has an explosive side to him that the other running backs just don't have. Tristan Ebner I don't trust to run the football even though he is fast. He just hasn't earned any sort of trust, I don't think, to be like, hey, this guy is going to be a good running back. Plus, his pass protection is not great. His vision has been suspect. There's a lot of things so, going on there. And, I mean, X Factor is what it is. I don't expect them to win this game. In fact, I expect quite the opposite. I think they might get blown out again. What about for the Packers? What's your X Factor? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. This, this defense is Swiss cheese, to put it nicely. Um. Kyler Gordon's probably not going to play again. And even though Kyler has been bad, I feel like especially over the last couple of weeks, you, we've seen him especially in run support and in the screen game come up and make some big plays and show some growth. He's got to get better in coverage, but just it's the same thing like with football, with like a like a jump shooter in basketball or or a quarterback who start he's start hitting his his layups. Like he you got to see some good stuff happen in order to have the confidence grow and do other things. Like, I think it's so easy to forget that these players, <laughs> sorry, John Deltalia. So Ebner's eight yards on six carries doesn't get you going for a running back. No, not even, not even a little bit. Uh, <laughs> shockingly, I know, but I mean, Christian Watson's playing. It sounds like Romeo Dobbs is going to be back. Uh, Randall Cobb, I think is still playing. And then the running backs are just going to make this life hell for them, especially in the passing game, because both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon can catch passes out of the backfield. Uh, mine for me is just going to be the Packers tackling. It's When you go back and watch them play, they just don't. It's like no one wants to really tackle on that team, and it's usually the last person's like, oh, I guess I'll do it so we don't give up a touchdown. Um, I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be like a probably a higher-scoring game. A lot of – and it really is going to boil down to, well, how well can the Packers make the Bears do those sustained drives? Because they're not going to get those, like we talked about earlier, explosive pass plays. The only way that's going to happen is if you miss tackles. Uh, so ultimately, if they can get that set, 
they'll they'll have this game wrapped up. Yep. Um, offensive player of the game, mine's going to be your X Factor, which is going to be Chase Claypool. Uh, this is also the honorary not Justin Fields category because it could <laughs> every week be Justin Fields if you're going for the, for the Bears slant to it. But um, I think Chase is going to have to grow up and grow up fast. He's going to have to play the majority of snaps, and he's going to have to be a primary target. Sure. Uh, my ex- my offensive player of the game, rather, is uh, probably going to be Aaron Rodgers again just because – I think the bad man is coming to do bad things to them. You heard it here first. Uh, Danny is officially a Packers fan and uh, <laughs> defensive player of the game. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jack Sanborn. And I'm going to say that just because I think the Packers are still going to win. You are just Mr. Op- are you going to pick the Bears to win too, you jerk? No, I just have a hard time picking. I'm telling you, I'm giving it away. I'm not going to pick the Bears. Uh, they've taught me this year to just stop picking them. Um, Jack, I'm picking Jack just because, A, I have a hard time picking a Packer. B, I think he's going to be that player that you just you keep seeing him. He keeps, keeps showing up. He's in your defensively. You don't have a lot of options left for the Bears, so that's Perfect. kind of process. Of I totally agree with that. If I'm going to be with the if I'm going to go with the Bears, I'll probably double down with you on Jack Sanborn. But I got to give you a Packer just because I think he's going to make life hell because he always does. Kenny Clark is just an absolute problem. He's one of the best interior linemen in the league on the defensive side of the ball. And that's just not a that's not a good place to live in with this offensive line right now at the moment. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of big Kenny Clark in that backfield, making life very very hard for the Bears. I think you're probably right. Uh, King of the North. This is our MVP. I'm going to keep it simple and keep it short. Justin Fields. Uh, he's. I still even with the issues he's had, even with the week off, he's. I think you're going to leave that game thinking. He is the best football player leaving that field. You know what? I've been very Packer centric. I'll join you in that. Yay. He's back to a Bears fan. Okay. Over unders. Uh, we're going to throw a couple at Danny, see what he thinks. Uh, Here over we go. under 50 rushing yards. Was that Mario? <laughs> yes. What do you, oh, sidebar, what are you thinking about for like the new Mario movie coming out? Are you pissed about the voice selection or no? No. Thank you. Why do I care? I don't know why everyone's so upset about it. Who cares? Um, this, is, this is like that borders on the, oh my God, Ariel is black. She's a mermaid. Who cares? Oh God. Our society is weird. Um, 50, <laughs> yes, over is. under 50 rushing yards for Justin Fields. <sighs> over slightly, not by much. I thought that was a good number that I picked. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I'm going to say that over because he makes it be the over like i think they're yeah. gonna go in honestly thinking like okay justin we're gonna we're gonna monitor you we're gonna take this we're gonna throw and he's just gonna say i'm gonna do justin things uh over under 10 tackles for jack sand god <laughs> jack sand god over because no one else can make a tackle yeah, he had 15 last week just silly and i think um, 10 of them were the first half <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden he, he just stopped tackling, which is even which is very odd. Over under uh, three and a half receptions for Christian Watson. Under, no over. Oh, we're gonna go over. That's a that's a low number for a guy that's caught four plus balls each of the last three weeks, right? Yeah, three weeks in a row, four receptions on the dot. Over under 0.5 graphics showing a list of Bears quarterbacks during the time that Rodgers has been quarterback. Oh, over. We're gonna get that in pregame. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say like that's almost a lock in a game like this. 
over under 8.5 rushing attempts for Darrington Evans? Under, I think they're going to see a lot. Of, you're going to see a lot of split time after uh, uh, Montgomery between between Evans and Tristan Ebner because they're going to just try to mix it up. And then we have over under 2.5 touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to say under, and he's going to get exactly two because they're going to have a lot. They're going to have some rushing touchdowns too between the two backs. That that's also is it me or does it feel like Aaron Rodgers has like a rushing touchdown every time he plays the Bears? Honestly, yes. And it could also just be the fact that that most recent one where he ran into the end zone and you know he was yelling, he screams, "I own you." you. Yeah, Yeah. that might be burned into my brain. But yeah, I feel like he just always there's like a ten yard scramble for a touchdown every dang time they play. Yeah. Uh, All right, moving on. Bear down or fudge packing it in. This is where we're going to go through a list of players comparing uh, a Packer and a Bear, and Danny's going to pick which one he would take on a certain scenario. Changes every week. Uh, this scenario is to win you a Super Bowl. So you you would have this player on your Super Bowl team. All right. Super Bowl run. Here we go. It's going to be a lot of lot of cheese. Uh, David Montgomery or Aaron Jones? Jones. Cleo Herbert or A.J. Dillon? Uh, I think Dylan's more well-rounded, so AJ Dylan. Cole Komet or Robert Tanyan? Komet. I'm pretty sure he said Tanyan last time they played. So I'm, this is, look at that growth. Yeah, growth. <laughs> uh, Sam Mustafer or Josh Myers? God, Myers. I was going to say, why'd you take that long? Um, Braxton Jones or David Bakhtiari? At this moment in time, Braxton Jones. I don't trust Bakhtiari to play. Riley Reef or Yash Nyman? Yash Nyman. And then Yash Nyman or Larry Borum, just to double down. Yash Nyman. Dar- uh, we're also not taking injuries into account here. Just, just they're, they're super healthy. Uh, Darnell okay. Mooney, Romeo Dobbs. Mooney over Dobbs. Chase Claypool or Christian Watson? Watson, probably. Just because I- why? I mean, it's. To me, they kind of just seem like the Spider-Man meme in a way. Like I, I know I reference that meme a lot, but it's so applicable in so many situations of two, comparing two guys. Because oh, you got to remember, like the first twelve games of 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 Claypool's career, he caught like something like ten touchdowns or something like that. Yep. So, uh, Equinemius St. Brown or Alan Lazard? Probably Lazard. And lastly, Justin Fields or Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Rodgers ever wins another title, so field. I would agree with you there. Uh, defense, run through these. Travis Gibson or Preston Smith? Uh, Travis Gibson, I guess, just based on upside. I think Preston's nearing the end of his career. Dominique Robinson or Devontae Wyatt? Wyatt. Justin Jones, Kenny Clark? Kenny Clark. Oh, my God. He's Running away. <laughs> Jack Sanborn, Quay Walker. Ooh, Quay. <laughs> J- Jalen Johnson or Jair Alexander? Oh, Jair. He's the second best corner in the league, and his, that's only because the guy in L.A. exists. Jaquan Brisker, Adrian Amos. Jaquan Brisker. Kyler Gordon, Rasul Douglas. Rasul's got a better body of work, so Rasul. Kendall Vildor, Darnell Savage. Ugh. 
Darnell Savage, just based purely on pedigree. There was a lot more bear selections than I thought there was going to be. I'm very surprised. Yeah. All right, last, last two sections here. Game predictions. I uh, still have not done the total, so don't ask me. <laughs> got, we got away from Why? <laughs> you said weeks ago you were going to do that. I know, and that I have three jobs, Danny. <laughs> like I, Every time I think about doing it, I, it returns out I have a beer in my hand now, and it's like, all right, well, this isn't happening. So, like, that's, that's like where <laughs> my life is. Like. like, literally, okay, so sidebar. Y'all have to listen to this because it was awful. Or good, but awful. So uh, for Black Friday, uh, my family and I did a bunch of like Black Friday drinking things. So first we went to, I can't remember where it was even at, but I had a bunch of the Goose Island stuff at it. You know, like all the hefty Oh, stuff. the Bourbon County? The yeah. Bourbon I had eight five-ounce Bourbon County pours there. Then we went to Bavarian Lodge, which if you haven't been there, it's in Lyle. Fantastic. Awesome German food. But they had some special stuff too. I had seven more five-ounce pours of these 13 to 18% beers. Oh, I you, was you were night nice time, huh? I was dead. Saturday, I can't believe I woke up Saturday. I, I had to go to work. It was awful. Man, you woke up dead. <laughs> yeah, if anyone wants to get me a Christmas present, um, either barrel-aged beer or the uh, giant hat that Brian Robinson had uh, after, after his game, one of those two things. Go ahead. Goofy. That was awesome. There we go. I got to throw this up real quick. May, uh, by Derek Reeves. Mason, I'll be interested to see who your new co-host is now that Danny's canceled himself by picking against Sanborn. Yeah, I, I got to start start a list. First interview question. What is your thought process on the, on the Sand God? Your thoughts on Chicago's favorite son, Jack Sand God? Uh, so who, we got Packers at Bears. Packers are favored by four points. A little lower oh, than I thought that's it would be. It? Yeah, who, who are you taking? It makes it a harder choice. Uh, uh, no, easy choice. Packers, and they're going to fucking win by like 20. <laughs> Against... I'm still going to pick the Packers against the spread. I don't think it's going to be by 20. I think it's going to be less than No, I'm, I'm being obviously facetious when I say I think that. it's going to be um, Packers 34, Bears 28. That's fair. I guess. Whatever. I'm not going to crucify you for having them win by a touchdown. <laughs> um, Thursday night game, Buffalo at New England. Buffalo is favored by four. Uh, I like Buffalo to win and cover their spread. So. Oh, yeah. Me too. I don't. New England's falling apart. I don't know what they're doing over there. Uh, I know what they're doing over there. They have terrible people calling plays, first of all. Uh, that's not helping anybody. Is it Zappy Hour yet? <laughs> we, uh, it is, I don't think it's Zappy Hour quite yet. Did you hear the whole thing? I don't know how legitimate that is about Tom Brady potentially going back. Going to back to New England? Yeah, New England. I, whatever, dude. Can you imagine, though? That'd be, that'd be a cool awesome. storyline. I would love for that to happen. Um, I'm going to – oh, next one, because – Again, I just find it interesting. Uh, Browns at Texans. It should be, you know, Deshaun Watson's first game. Uh, Browns are a seven-point favorite. Uh, I think Browns win, and they'll probably cover. That That Houston Texans thing is spiraling out of control. The Texans are straight doo-doo. The, the, whoever, I can't remember who the, who's in charge there, hired Lovey Smith is an ass for putting Lovey in that position. It was just pure scapegoat. Now they can foot, like fire Lovey at the end of the season and hire Josh McCown like they've always wanted to do. And hired Josh McCown like you, like they've always dreamed of. I'm, well, I'm saying it here. Watch, Josh McCown's going to be the Texans head coach next year. Uh, we got going to be Matt Patricia due to ties to Jack Easterby, who's now gone. Oh my god! Uh, Titans at Eagles. Uh, Bears will play the Eagles after the bye. Uh, Eagles are favored by five and a half. 
I think the Eagles actually win and cover pretty handily. So I know there's a lot of talk about how the Titans make life hard on the running game. Go look at the running teams they've played. They haven't faced something like Jalen Hurts yet, who is a big part of that running game. And Jalen Hurts, if in case you missed the Monday night game last week against the Packers, he's still on an MVP trail. That guy is playing pissed off, and it's awesome. I'm actually going to go oppo. I'm taking Titans. Uh, it's pretty much really? the reasons you said. I just think that Mike Vrabel is such a underestimated head coach. His team is always not good, but like he makes them good in a way. Like he just takes a bunch of people who aren't great and makes them into something solid. They always make life difficult for the other team, that defense especially. Um, when you then if you can make the game dirty a bit and you have Derrick Henry who can just do Derrick Henry things, um, I'll, I'll take the Titans. I, I think the Eagles are going to get really frustrated by not being able to do what they normally do. I don't blame you, but we have a show rule: fade Mason. <laughs> I actually see now. I definitely have to get all this stuff because I'm pretty sure I'm winning currently in the uh, standings. You I say that are. with no information whatsoever. You probably are. Like whatever. <laughs> Ooh, here's another. Uh, John. Throwing out there, Titans push the Chiefs to overtime. John's in my corner. I like it, as, as he agrees that the Titans are going to figure out how to beat the Eagles. And, oh, last one. This one I is interesting for draft purposes. Um, Seattle at Rams. Seattle's favored by seven and a half. Seven and a half. I think the Rams lose, but they keep it closer than that. Seven and a half is a big number for betting purposes. And scoring across the league is still down. Uh so I think they'll keep it close. They're going to – oh, God, it's, I'm saying that acting like Aaron Donald's playing. Uh, God, Seahawks win, but, yeah, the, the, the Rams cover somehow. <laughs> I'll take Seattle more so, you know, Aaron Donald being out. Uh, you're still, they're still starting Perkins, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Stafford's back. Um, so they're just not going to be able to move the ball very well. Cam Akers still doesn't run well. Uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup being out. I mean, they just don't have anything there. Um, versus Geno Smith is just still slinging it. DK Metcalf's playing well. Tyler Lockett is scoring touchdowns as needed. Uh, I'll give me Seattle. Last section, Coxix and Bull story. One offense and one defensive. Bold prediction. I'm going to keep mine simple. A, Chase Claypool gets his first touchdown and Bears uh, with the Bears on a 35-yard touchdown reception. And on defense... No Bears defender gets hurt this game to a point where they cannot finish the game. Ooh, interesting. Right. Uh, very bold for this Bears defense. Very bold. Uh, let's see. Jalen Johnson gets a pick again for the first time in ages. For what feels like ages. Um, and then we're going to go offensively. Let's go, let's go weird. Darrington Evans scores a touchdown. For some strange damn reason. <laughs> God, I hope not. My Monty shares need need touchdowns, but I would that'd be cool though. I, I'm all I'd be about it. Evan's touchdown in all reality. Bold defensive prediction Finish. from John. Bears get a defensive stop. That's quite bold. Um, too bold for this show. Okay, let me ask you one question to to leave on. Sure. Finish this sentence. Uh, Jalen Johnson is a top blank cornerback in this league. Ooh, 18? Honestly, the, I was, yeah, I was going to say like top 20, top 25, top 20. I feel like 18 is fair because we've seen him play out of his mind. My issue with him is always going to be his health. 
He's been hurt every year of his career. And up until this season, he always seems to start the year hot, and then he slowly regresses as the year goes on when he plays. So I'm not sure if that's injury-related or what the issue is, but uh, I think he's a really good football player, and I think they'll do well to extend him, especially because he's on the younger side. But I just worry about guys, especially corners with with chronic shoulder issues, because that's not just going to stop overnight. Yeah, I, mean, I just want more ball, more ball production. Uh, it doesn't have to even be picks. There's just not even a lot of like PBUs happening yeah. there. Um, obviously, it's tough when the rest of the secondary and the rest of the team defense isn't great because you know sometimes you're playing more out of position. Da da da. da. Um, you also bring up an interesting point in terms of his extension. The Bears are going to be in a weird spot in terms of extensions, right? You got him, you got Cole Komet, now you got Chase Claypool, who's on the same timeline from the same draft class. Darnell. You got Darnell Mooney. Uh, Justin all Fields those, is coming up faster than you feel like. Mm-hmm. Like all four of those guys from that class, they're not getting an extension this summer. Not all four, not this summer. So who are you extending and how much? Right. But that is also for another day. You know, keep tantalizing y'all with off-season talk. We're not there quite yet. We still got a couple weeks left of this, this fun Bears things. But Justin is back. And so the season is back on and is interesting again. We do not have to see the Nathan Peterman experiment. Thank Jesus. Uh, so yeah. anything else you have, Danny? No, uh, I do apologize to my listeners if I sound a little raspy and hoarse. I hit my allergies for some reason have been acting up real bad the past couple of days. So that's kind of what I said. Yeah, allergies. <laughs> Uh, but that's pretty much it. That's let's uh have a fun Sunday of watching football and everyone. I hope you had a good, safe, happy Thanksgiving or Turkey Daddy Day, as people call it. All right, everyone, see you later. Bear the hell down. Doodles. <laughs>